1: Christ is no wolf at all, but I guarantee you that Jesus has a sharp bite to meet the challenge of any wolf out there in your life. Wolves, beware when you attack the flock of Jesus Christ. Don't you dare make the good shepherd show his lion teeth to save his sheep.
0: Today's message with Pastor Michael Oksentenko here on Reaching Your Heart is every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. We'll bring you the first portion of this broadcast here today. Thank you so much for joining us for Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget, the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock, and you are always welcome. The broadcast is also streamed live at reachinghearts.org slash video. We'll have details on that and more as we continue with today's broadcast. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentengo.
1: Father God, we are grateful today for Jesus Christ. We have a right now righteousness in Jesus good enough for the judgment day. Good enough for every day of our lives. Good enough for the downs and the ups. Good enough when we aren't good enough. And Father, I'm thankful that Jesus is the good shepherd. Not a bad shepherd. Not a shepherd. The good shepherd of our lives. Help us to never forget Him. To never forget that He never forgets us. In Jesus' name, Amen. The title of my message this morning is Every Shepherd is an Abomination to the Egyptians. I mean, that statement in the book of Genesis just stuck in my head. I could not get it out. So a sermon has come from this. Tiberius Caesar once said that it is the duty of a good shepherd to shear his sheep but not to skin them. I like that. It is the duty of a good shepherd to shear his sheep but not to skin them. How many times in life do we come to feel... That the Lord is out to skin us alive with an evil eye searching us out like cockroaches with His infinite power to crush us and His jealous eye eager for justice against us. Have you ever had a view of God like that? Anybody? I have in my experience struggled with God. I have wondered if God is really my friend. If God is really there to save me or is He just trying to seek me out? We all go through times like this. We wonder if the hand of the Lord is against us, not for us. King David said to the Lord, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. In the Bible, God's name is God's law, because God's law and His name is His personal covenant character that will never change. It has always been, it will always be. So when we call on the name of the Lord, we're calling on the law of the Lord. We're calling on the character of the Lord. The I am who I am God that saves and delivers. And so for God to be this kind of a God, a personal Yahweh kind of God, God has to enter into Holy Covenant with us. Now I've noticed in my covenant with my wife, and my wife's covenant with me, that I got the good end of the deal, as I've said. It's our 35th wedding anniversary, August 31. And what amazes me about Diana is she puts up with Mike quite a bit. My ups and downs. She's there as a rock-solid spouse in my life. Commitment. I have the good wife. That God has brought into my life. Now friends. We are married to Christ by covenant. To God by covenant. And the good shepherd is likewise our kind and loving leader. Or he is not our good shepherd at all. As the good shepherd friend. Jesus leads us through life. To life itself with the cords of loving kindness. Of tender kindness. God is tender hearted toward you. Tender-hearted toward me. Abraham Lincoln had this to say about a good shepherd and a bad wolf that is only good at being bad for the sheep. It's a big difference between the good shepherd and a bad wolf. Lincoln knew that the big bad wolf has no intention of acting like a shepherd who is good and he does not value liberty for the sheep at all. In fact, one of the evidences of a poor leader is when he tries to make sure that no one is free, that it's all about him. That is not the way God calls his shepherds to be. Lincoln said this, the shepherd drives the wolf from the sheep's throat, for which the sheep thanks the shepherd as his liberator, while the wolf denounces him for the same act as the destroyer of liberty. Plainly, the sheep and the wolf are not agreed upon a definition of liberty. I thought that was a pretty profound interaction with the idea of a sheep, a shepherd, and a wolf and the importance of freedom. Friend, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb of God who sets us free. Paul says that God has called us to freedom in Christ. Not irresponsible freedom, but the kind of freedom that sets the soul free to live for God. Not with a heavy hammer of justice hanging over us, but rather the tender leading care of a shepherd who is kind. Friend, Jesus is the good shepherd in our lives. He protects us from the wolves that would destroy us all. I mean, if you have any doubt about this, just look where we've come through this year. God has protected our church. He has protected our families. And even our dear ones who have left in death are protected by the power of God who will raise them up at the last day. In Scripture, we follow a shepherd king who is a sacrificial lamb. It's a paradox, but true. But there is one thing Jesus is not. And I want to dwell on this. Friend, Jesus is not a wolf. Can I hear an amen to that? Jesus is not a wolf. Jesus will never be a wolf. Jesus has no patience for letting wolves have their way in the church or the world. He will deal with wolves. Christ is no wolf at all. But I guarantee you that Jesus has a sharp bite to meet the challenge of any wolf out there in your life. Wolves, beware when you attack the flock of Jesus Christ. Don't you dare make the good shepherd show his lion teeth to save his sheep. You see, the good shepherd is not fond of wolves at all. He's not fond either of lazy or bad shepherds who tend to do the works of wolves. Christ cares for his sheep, and that we are. Earl Dare Biggers. uh, That's a name and a half. He said one sentence so profound that it's his claim to fame. Here it is. Careless shepherd make excellent dinner for wolf. I thought that was pretty good. Careless shepherd make excellent dinner for wolf. When Joseph sent for Jacob and his family, they all arrived in the land of Goshen at last. God had shepherded His people. God had led them. God had reunited the family. God had taken the last one and by degree had completed the number 70. They came to Goshen as a shepherd family. The name Goshen most likely means cultivated. Goshen had a garden-like environment, like a kindergarten where children can grow up and a nation could take root and be born from the 70 children that came from Canaan to save the 70 nations of the earth. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32, eight that when God numbered the children of Israel, He numbered them to match the number of the nations of the world. The 70 that went to Egypt matches the 70 nations that need the sons of Israel. And so He would reconstitute the human race by the family of Jacob, the family Israel. At last Jacob met Joseph in the land of Goshen. His father's house of 70 was whole again in a foreign land. Look at Genesis 46.29.30. Then Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. Israel said to Joseph, now let me die, since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. I mean, this is the great encounter where dad meets son... Interrupted lives, broken dreams and hopes are suddenly transformed by a connection and a gathering that only God can make happen. I have shared with you in my own experience that God led me to my father two months before he died. And in those two months, my entire life course has been redirected. I came to be a Christian because of meeting my Father, because of the blessing that my Father bestowed on me in prayer, and how He gave me the book Steps to Christ and introduced me to the desire of ages in the Bible, and a knowledge of Jesus Christ as a man who had struggled with faith, who had failed in faith, but who came to Christ in the last year of his life to bridge his family and himself to the future that is alive in Jesus. I owe everything to that providential meeting. That is something like what was happening here. They were together again. God was in play with this thing. If this is it, then the story of Jacob and Joseph would end right here with a happy ending. How many of you like happy endings in movies or books and stories? Like happy endings? How many of you like cliffhanger endings? How many of you like it The never end, just to be the never-ending story kind of thing? Anybody like never-ending stories? You keep making it up as you go? Well, if this is it, this would be a happy ending. But Jacob doesn't die when he meets Joseph. Jacob starts to live all over again. The Hebrew says his soul revived. It came to life when he started moving south. You know, it's possible to come to your retirement years and discover that you have a whole lot of life left in you and that you need to live for better reasons. And that's what Jacob discovered. Jacob was 130 years old when he came to Goshen. And he lived 17 more years in the land of Goshen. So he lived to be 147. Jacob was a shepherd by trade. His sons were shepherds like him, except Joseph, who was a prince over all the land of Egypt and over his brothers also. He was a shepherd of people. Sometimes, when a person has been through all kinds of evil and trauma, just when things begin to turn around on the upswing, you know, the upswing when you've been down, now you're coming up, it is so easy at that critical moment, the turn of the curve, that you may think That that's the time to give up. That maybe if you just die or something ends it all right there, you end while it's good. Some people think this way. Friend, I want to guarantee you that our God is not in the dying business in your life. Our God is not in the giving up business in your life. Our God wants your family's life and you. He wants you to be in the upswing living kind of motion in your life. God is in the living business and God rejects your death and your failure and any notion of a tragic motif as part of your future because that is not how He thinks about you. You have been created for the glory of God. You have been created to be forgiven, to be transformed into the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. God would have you be an eternal star in His crown through the vast ages of eternity. So there is no place for us to give up if we have been given the grace of the Lord Jesus. There are no tragic motifs in God's plan for your life, as I said. No, God wants you and your family to have a happy life in a cultivated place like the land of Goshen. I mean, there are churches named Goshen. I've noticed that. You can look at the directory, you'll find churches with Goshen because Goshen calls to mind a place where you can grow and know God. Every Christian church should be a welcome place like Goshen was for Jacob and his family I mean, we don't have to be so picky about everything in the church that it can't be a place where you can let your hair down and we can have fun in the church. C.S. Lewis, when he was on the radio in World War II, trying to encourage the people of England, pretty much communicated to them, it's time to come to the hearth, let's have some fun together, let's laugh together. In fact, he envisioned that Christianity, real Christianity, has a lot of laughter in it. I mean, this, well, you know, sad-faced Christianity is not Christianity. Christ may have been a man of sorrows, but he was motivated with joy. He loved people, the association of others, and it was in his life vision to see every person saved. Every Christian church should be a welcome place with fun and joy. I mean, we stuck a piano in the foyer because I want people coming out there and just singing spontaneously in our church so that this is a happy place. And we gather for vespers, sing, Read the Bible, run around, play, laugh in Christ's family. I mean, I don't want to go to a church that doesn't do this kind of thing. What a boring place to be. The kingdom of God is like Goshen. It's a place where you can be cultivated. Our church at Reaching Hearts must always be a fertile place for hurting and insecure families to take root. But the medicine is laughter, joy, promise, adventure. To find a place where God can save, a place where one can grow up into God's favor and God's love. That's why Reaching Arts International Church was established. Friday Vespers is huge. I sometimes can't make it because if my week is wrong, I'm sometimes working on my message late into the night to the morning to deliver it to you. But my wife shows up and a number of others of you show up. And it's a lot of fun, isn't it? And they have food and fellowship. The kids read the Bible in the circle around the campfire with their little lights they pull up so if it gets dark they still can read. They have now a portable speaker out there. And I think some people across the way hear the Bible being read in the houses and they're getting nervous because God is on the march. Winter is gone. Spring is coming, so to speak. I mean, it's exciting. They came to Goshen. Excitement and thrill was in the air. Joseph told his brothers in his father's house that he would go up to Pharaoh and announce to him that his father's house had come down to meet him in Egypt. At this point, Joseph promised his family that he would be the intercessor. He would be the one to tell Pharaoh that they were shepherds with flocks and cattle and sheep and a few people also, and that they needed to live in Egypt because things are bad out there, and Egypt is the place. Joseph, as the mediator, would prepare the way for them to meet Pharaoh. You know, in a real sense, Jesus has that role. He has gone to prepare a place for us. He's gone to receive the kingdom, according to Luke 19, 12. And so he is the mediator that will link us to the future, the future kingdom that we will enter. So he comes before Pharaoh in person. Friend, every good king wants his kingdom to prosper And when the lazy and the criminal kind come to occupy a kingdom, it doesn't take long for a kingdom to fall. You want the kingdom to have a good fiber to it. And Pharaoh thought this way. So Pharaoh had a vested interest in knowing the occupation and trade of every person who took up residence in his royal kingdom, who crossed the line of the great shore, the wall, the fortress wall, that separated Egypt from Canaan. He wanted to know who these people were, what they were about. That is why Joseph gave his brothers instructions on what to say and how to say it when they should be called into the presence of Pharaoh.
0: We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Tenko in just a If you'd a like moment. to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org. video That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend a live service in a streaming format at that website. Reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxen-Tanko in today's Reaching Your Heart.
1: Look at verse 33, Genesis 46. When Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? You shall say... Your servants have been keepers of cattle from our youth, even unto now, both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. And here's the key phrase, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Amazing statement. Every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. The land of Goshen was the best and the most fertile part of Egypt, Because it was the good place where God led His people to be planted. It wasn't far from the great cities of Egypt. Don't think that. It was right there in that fertile piece, a little bit east of the Nile. But not too far away from where things were happening. Friend, God doesn't lead His people into evil to be destroyed by wolves. We've been through a world challenge. We may have another round of this COVID thing. But God is not going to allow us or our church or our families to be destroyed. God is working in our lives so that we can become better people and be better for the coming of the Lord. And so this is His providential plan for us. God leads His sheep by degree to the good land to be planted as trees of righteousness for a good future full of hope and promise and witness for the world. Friend, God does not have a pessimistic vision for your life. Take your hand out and pinch yourself. You know, not too hard. I don't want any first aid work here today. Just pinch yourself gently, no bruise. Can you feel the pinch? You can't feel the pinch. Well, pinch harder like this. Now, look, the Lord is pinching you, and He's saying, I love you. I know the plans that I have for you to give you a future and a hope. I have no negative vision of you, I know you're sinful. I know where you've come from. I know you have failed. But guess what? I love you with a love that is an everlasting love. Pinch yourself. Feel my love. It may hurt at times, but it's love working for you to get you home to me. God leads His sheep because He's the good shepherd. And He plants them as trees of righteousness to make a difference in the world. To share the love of God that is experienced in our lives. To share it with others. I mean, what good is going to church if it's only about getting smart with the Bible? What good is it going to church if it's only about us having community? Every time I hear preachers talk about, well, we want community in our church. Forget about community. Live for other men and women. Live for the salvation of men and women. You will have community. The Holy Spirit will be poured out on you. But this idea of trying to strive for it is legalism. We can never achieve that which we must receive by faith. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Isaiah 63.9 describes the pre-existent Christ who led Israel like a shepherd as he redeemed them from all their trouble, all their sin. I follow Jesus Christ today, not primarily because he's smart, he's infinitely smart, not because he's a great moral teacher, that he is. I follow Jesus Christ because He has redeemed me on the cross of Calvary from my sins. And I need a Savior every day of my life. Is that a good reason to follow Jesus? Now look at Isaiah 63.9. In all of their affliction, He was afflicted. And the angel of His presence saved them. That's a loaded statement. There was the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament who was the Lord who is God in angel form. The angel of His presence. God in angel form. Not God in human form. God in angel form. And the angel of His presence saved them. In His love and His pity, He, that's the angel of His presence, redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. In Isaiah 44.6, thus says the Lord, King of Israel, Yahweh, King of Israel, and Yahweh, Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last. God is both a king and a redeeming Lord of hosts. So God and his son are here pictured in Isaiah 44. But the angel of God's presence is the pre-existent Christ God, eternal God in angel form. Jacob was a shepherd in a family of shepherds, but he knew that the angel of the Lord is the real redeemer who was the good shepherd for him and his children. When Israel, who was Jacob, blessed Joseph, He revealed who this good shepherd was in his very troubled kind of life. The daddy was telling the son who had been long broken off that God had been working in his son's life. Every father should do the same for their children. I've noticed as I get older that if I say something kind of straightforward to my sons in the sense that I'm real confident of what they should do, I get kicked back. Is that normal? I see a young person's head going up and down. Dad and Mom, take note and take notes. I get kicked back. And it hit me this week when I did this that my son is trying to establish himself with his own set of gifts, not based on mine or my advice necessarily, but my love and support. And so I texted him back after an interaction, which I didn't quite get it right. And I said, son, I'm very proud of you. That was what the Lord was trying to make me say. Because I lost sight of that important fact that to bless your child, you must affirm them. Not with flattery, but honestly. Every father should do the same for their children that Jacob did for Joseph. You cannot bless your children unless you point them to God as the source of blessing. Genesis 48, 15, and 16. And he blessed Joseph and said, now here's the blessing. The God before whom my fathers Abram and Isaac walked the God who has led me all my life long to this day. Now notice in the blessing, he's going back and he's saying, God was with me. I mean, you know my life it was messed up. I was a liar. I stole the birthright. But God was with me all the way through those ups and downs to this day. An honest recounting of the past. Now look at verse 16. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil. You see, that's what Isaiah 63.9 is referring to. Right back here to Genesis 48. The angel who is God in the context, who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads and in them let my name be perpetuated and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. He says, I didn't get here because I'm smart. I didn't get here because I'm good. I got here because there is an angel that has the very presence of God in him and the angel of the Lord who is the Lord has led me to this day to meet you, Joseph, my life works at last. And that means your life can be blessed also. You cannot pass a faith onto your children that you do not have. You cannot pass a confidence in Jesus that you do not possess. So we should seize the promise that Christ is with us. The angel of the Lord is the Lord, the pre-existent Christ, the Redeemer who blesses our children because He is the Good Shepherd King. Jacob told Joseph that the angel of the Lord had redeemed him from all his trouble. Not some of it, not 99% of it, all of it. How many of you have had a little trouble this year? I'm going to do a poll here. Little trouble, raise the hand high. Little trouble, come on, little trouble. How many of you have had more trouble? Okay. How many of you have seen a lot of trouble this last year? Okay, about half the hands go up, the rest are optimists. That's good doesn't matter we've all had it haven't we and he says there's not a lick of it that has come my way that God has not led me through it to victory there is no place for a failed mentality as a Christian we are forgiven people bound for victory if we humbly follow our shepherd king Jacob told Joseph that the angel of the Lord has redeemed me he has redeemed us as well
0: well, that will conclude the first portion of a message Pastor Michael Tanko Entitles, Every Shepherd Is an Abomination to the Egyptians We will conclude this Broadcast the next time we get together We sure appreciate you listening each And every week to Reaching Your Heart And we certainly appreciate you listening today won't you join us for the worship service? It's held each and every Saturday at eleven o'clock. That address is sixty-one hundred Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland two zero seven zero seven. Sixty-one hundred Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland two zero seven zero seven. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org/video. Reachinghearts.org/video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.